0: The Truth in Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth in Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor, Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program, Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. This is Pastor Shiram Hadian, and I'm grateful that you can join us for Truth and Love Radio today. Folks, we're going to jump into our program. On the last program I was covering for you, uh, a very important concept with an understanding the ideology of Islam. And this concept is called the Two Houses of Islam. And this is part of the our series that we've been doing on the ongoing Islamization of America. And by definition, by, or by extension of the West. So again, on the last program, very important program. I hope you got a chance to listen to part one. I go through the foundational aspect of the Dar al-Harb, Dar al-Islam. Dar al-Harb means the house of war. Dar al-Islam means the house of surrender. So Dar al-Harb is where they view, when I say they, the Islamic movement, uh, Fundamentalist Muslims, devout Muslims who understand their ideology, they view uh, our house, the house of the non-Muslim, the non-believer, unbeliever, as a, an enemy land. And I went through and I and I read to you from the Sharia law manual, the the reliance of the traveler, uh, the 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 ruling of 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 Sharia courts, the ruling of Islamic scholars on the conditions for whether it's enemy land or Muslim land, and if there was three conditions that I read for you, number one, that the, uh, the Muslims have no security, if they have no security, then it's Dar al-Harb, enemy land. Number two, if they have been surrounded by all sides, by non-Muslims, if they're not in an area where they can have their own rule, it's Dar al-Harb. And number three, if no aspect of, of their law of the rule of islam or sharia is being applied it's enemy land the moment we see one of these three conditions or if two or three of these three conditions fulfilled by definition it is no longer enemy land so if we start seeing where muslims are taking over an area and in that area they are predominantly muslim then that area can be declared as Dar al-Islam. That enclave, that community, that city can be declared Dar al-Islam, like Hamtramck, Michigan, like Dearborn, Michigan, like, uh, like uh, uh, south of Minneapolis, Bloomington area. They are declaring those areas to be Dar al-Islam, or like in Europe if then they can apply Sharia in those areas and be given permission by the non-Muslims to live by Sharia, as as we see in Europe, that's a secondary condition. That is also a sign for them going to the upper house. And finally, if they have their own security. So like in Europe, where the enclaves have been handed over to their own rule basically there is no police there is no fire department many of the services have left those areas that means those areas are now being controlled or patrolled or governed predominantly by by Muslims that that meets criteria number three if all three criteria are met then it is by for sure guaranteed dar al-islam or islamic land So these are some of the some of the the criterias. Now, I want to go over some indications uh, and differences between the lower house, Dar Dar al-Harb, and the upper house, Dar al-Islam. And by the way, this duality comes from the practice of Muhammad himself. Because when Muhammad was in Mecca, where he claims he had revelation of the Qur'an, and of Islam being the quote final religion, Muhammad had to operate in a different manner because he was in the minority. None of the three conditions that I just read for you were there. He did not have security. He did not. Um, uh, uh, he he was surrounded by all sides by non-Muslims, and he was not able to implement the rules of Islam in any way for Muslims in a governmental fashion. Again, remember, this is talking about governmentally. We're not talking about religiously where they can just follow their rules in their own private lives. We're talking about governmentally. In the land. This is talking about in the land. So when it's in the land, it's talking about in the nation or in the region. So because none of those three things were met, Muhammad was in Dar al-Harb. He was in a perpetual state of, 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 of conflict or war. When he calls for the Hijra, H-I-J-R-J-R-A, remember we covered that in previous shows, when he calls for the Hijra and they migrate his followers by very generous accounts after uh, approximately 10 to 13 years of ministry there, you know, I'm using the term ministry very poorly. Uh, he, he has maybe 130 followers, maybe 150 followers, depending on which source you look at. So when he migrates to, to at that time it was called Yathrib, later changed to Medina or the city of the Prophet up north, then as he begins to engage, he claims, in different verses of the Quran, he engages engages in warfare, he then declares Yathrib or Medina Dar al-Islam. And also because the verses of the Quran change. The early verses are then abrogated according to Muhammad, By latter verses that he's given by the angel Gabriel through, uh, you know, uh, from Allah through the angel Gabriel. And those latter verses supersede or abrogate or nullify any early verses when they get to the upper house. This is the duality of Islam. And as I said on the last program, if we don't understand this concept, then we have no clue what Islam is. You cannot understand Islam until you understand this concept. Because it never makes it will never make sense. It, it will seem too confusing. So and then of course the other question is well Sharam, which Islam is the real Islam? Is it the lower house or is the upper house is it is it the Islam that we see in the West that claims to be very peaceful and tolerant, which we know of course it's not or is it the Islam that we see in the Middle East? Well the answer is both are Islam because they are in a state in various nations, they are in different states of transition. They are going from the lower house, trying to get to the upper house. So both are part of Islamic uh, operation, depending on which house they're in. If they're in the lower house, they're, they're allowed to operate by the early verses of the Quran. If they're in the upper house, they must operate by the latter verses of the Quran, which, by the way, is is one of the concepts. So let me go through very quickly and give you just a, a little bit of a bullet point uh, differences because I get this asked this question all the time. What are some of the differences? Again, we cover this in our unveiling the true face of Islam DVD. Um, I encourage you to, to get that on our website under our order tab. Um, also, we have the, the DVD combo pack. Our six is- DVDs on exposing Islam, everything from the spiritual side to the ideological side, to the legal side, to the prophetic side. And uh, it's over 12 hours of teaching, plus many, many special features. Uh, and, and it's a must-have, $70 donation for all six of those DVDs. So in the lower house, the Dar El Harb, or the House of War, which they uh, refer to it as that because it is the House of the Unbeliever. Again, remember... According to the Sharia law manual, Islam is in a state of war. It's a, it's a, it's 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 enemy land. So, and and you know, let me stop for a second and say this from a biblical perspective, from a, from a scriptural perspective. Pastor Hadian, why is it that we should even know about this? You know, why can't I just love my Muslim neighbor and I don't care about any of this stuff? You know, this is so negative. You you're always so negative, Sharam. Why can't I just know about my Muslim or or just get to love my Muslim neighbor? I don't care what they believe. I know they don't follow the, the right religion. Well, the reason, friend, believer, is because we are called in Scripture to be wise as what? Serpents. Gentle as what? Doves. And if we do not, do not understand this, then we are doomed to fall for deception. Of course, this comes out of um, Matthew chapter 10, uh, speaking about Jesus sending them out as disciples. Okay? So let me get to this here for you and make sure that um, we, we, we understand this, this concept because, um, as I said, I, I think, well, I'll just leave it at this. I, I think it's pitiful that so many Christians do not uh, operate in this way today. So here's what uh, Matthew 10, verse 16 says. Behold, I send you, this is Jesus speaking, right? I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You see the contrast there? So be shrewd or wise as serpents, and innocent or, or, or harmless, gentle as doves. But be 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 aware but be beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. So this concept is scriptural and notice it says i'm sending you out as sheep among wolves if you're going out among wolves so are muslims wolves here's a question are muslims wolves yes right a muslim is a wolf because a muslim is an unbeliever they're not sheep is there another category? Do you see another category in Matthew 6, 10, 16? They're sheep, they're wolves, they're hybrids. No, there's no hybrid here. There's no mixing of the wolf and the, and, and the sheep. There's, there's no hybrid wolf-sheep, she-wolf or whatever. This is one or the other. So if we're going to reach Muslims for Christ, we must understand that they are a wolf now. Do they know they're a wolf? Do they want to be a wolf? Do they want to devour us? Maybe, maybe not. You know, my own dad was, was 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 a lukewarm Muslim. I never heard him talk about how he wanted to take over non-Muslims or kill non-Muslims or wage jihad. But that's because he didn't know the ideology. He was a military guy. He grew up all of his life as a military guy. He was not a, uh, uh, an Islamic scholar. He, he wasn't trained and and memorized the Quran. He didn't know. So, but spiritually, he's still a wolf. I wouldn't take adv- as, as a Christian. When I became a Christian, my dad wanted to give me advice about how to live my life. You know how many times my dad said to me, "Son, don't tell people you're a pastor." Don't tell people you're a Christian. If you want to follow that, keep it hidden. Well, should I take his advice? Should I have kept my faith hidden? Isn't that violating scripture? To, 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 to not have my light be hidden, but to put it on the stand and remove the bowl and let it shine before all men? So therefore, I had to violate the advice of my dad because spiritually he is a wolf. And if I'm going to go as a sheep among the wolf, I have to understand the tactics of the wolf. Know your enemy. Is Islam spiritually an enemy of Christianity? Without fail, yes. And anybody that says otherwise is either ignorant Deceived or a deceiver. Because Islam is a spiritual enemy of the cross. My goodness, Islam denies the cross even happened, right? Denies the crucifixion ever happened. So, excuse me, Islam is a wolf. And anybody that's following Islam is a wolf, spiritually speaking. So the verse says, go out among them. And notice it doesn't say be innocent as doves. And if you want to be wise as a serpent, maybe be wise as a serpent. It's optional to be shrewd or wise as a serpent. No, it actually says first, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Be shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. So we must be shrewd or wise as the serpent. We must understand the tactics of the enemy. Then we can be gentle and innocent as doves as we are operating as sheep among wolves, folks. So that's why I am giving this to you. That's why I'm telling you what their tactics are. That's why we spend so much time on this. Because if someone doesn't want to know Islam and they go and they try to witness or share Christ or love their Muslim neighbor, friend, coworker, whoever... And that Muslim says things like, well, you know, we we, we worship the same God. We believe in Jesus, too. Um, Islam is an Abrahamic faith. We have a lot in common. That Christian is going to fall for that deception because they don't know any better. So let's go back to some of the categorizations here. In the lower house, the house of the unbeliever, they're in a state of war. Now, as I said, that nation, that area is considered enemy land. So here's one of the biggest lies or tactics within the lower house, Darl Harp. They will preach plurality. What is plurality? Plurality in religion. Okay, so plurality in religion. That means, okay, let me just be very, very straightforward with you. That means that they will preach the verse out of Surah 2. The verse out of Surah 2, which says there is no compulsion in religion. If there is no compulsion in religion, therefore, what? Therefore, we want to just live live as one of many religions. We... we we think that we can all live together. We think that we can all uh, coexist together. Islam believes in freedom of religion. Have we heard this? Islam does not believe in freedom of religion. So Surah chapter 2, 2 5, 6, verse 256 says, Let there be no compulsion in religion. Truth stands out clear from error. Whoever rejects evil and believers in Allah hath grasped the most trustworthy handhold that never breaks. So Muslims will say, see, we believe that there are multiple religions. We respect other religions. But, folks, that is only in the lower house. That verse, Surah 2256, has been abrogated. It is nullified in the upper house. Okay, here's another one. Lying is permissible to the unbeliever. Lying is permissible to the unbeliever. Would you be surprised that in the Qur'an, Allah, the God of Islam, one of his 99 names, is Allah Kairul Makreen. Allah Kairul Makreen. Allah Allah Kairul means he is the the highest or the best of makreen the word it's from the word al makra and it is uh it means deceiver makra in arabic means deceiver so makreen well, kairul makreen means you're the best of the deceiver so that translates allah is the best or the chief of the deceivers now in the Bible, we have we know who is the father of lies, who is the liar, who is the deceiver, this is an antichrist spirit, this is Satan himself. And in section R of the Reliance of the Traveler, in section R eight to be specific, and I'll go there really quick, there is an entire section. On the permissibility of lying. By the way, can you find me a verse in the Bible that tells us we can lie? Give me one verse. One verse. Those apologists for Islam out there. Ask them, folks. Ask them. When they say there's so much in common. Muslims believe basically what we believe. Ask them compare, again, in our Chris Lam exposed DVD on our website, we, I go through and I compare the God of the Bible, Adonai, Elohim, El Shaddai, Yahweh, Jehovah God, versus the false God of Islam, Allah. And one of the things we do is look at the characteristics. The God of the Bible does not lie. It says there is no lie in God. He is not a man that he should lie the God of Islam, is the best of the liars. Allah, Kairul, Makreen. He is the best or the chief of the liars. And there is no section in the Bible that gives us permission to lie. In fact, we know the Ten Commandments very clearly says, Thou shall not bear false witness. There's a whole section on permissibility. Now watch this. The okay, permissible lying section R8.2 permissible lying. The prophet uh, said, um, He who settles disagreements between people to bring about good or ways or says something uh, commendable is not a liar. And then it goes on to say, There, this is this is an explicit statement that lying is sometimes permissible for a given interest scholars having established criteria defining what types are, of it are lawful. So Islamic scholars have, have, have created criteria for the permissibility of lying. The best analysis of it I have seen, according to this writer of, this, of the book Sharia Law, the, the Reliance of the Traveler, is by Imam Abu Hamid Ghazali, who says, quote, Speaking is a means to achieve objectives. If a praiseworthy aim is attainable through both telling the truth and lying, it is unlawful to accomplish through lying because there's no need for it. So if you can accomplish the same goal by telling the truth, tell the truth. When it is possible to achieve such an aim by lying, but by not telling the truth, it is permissible to lie. Did you understand that? So if you can tell the truth and achieve the same goal, then tell the truth. If you can't achieve the goal by telling the truth, then it is lawful and permissible to lie. So let me read that one more time. When it is possible to achieve such a aim by lying, but not by telling the truth, it is permissible to lie. If attaining the goal is permissible. So if it's, a, if, it's a, if it's a worthy goal by Allah, then lie. When the purpose of lying is to circumvent someone, who is preventing one, a Muslim, from doing something permissible and obligatory to lie if the goal is obligatory. So lying is permissible if someone is trying to stop a Muslim from fulfilling some goal or objective. Lying is permissible, not mandatory, permissible. But... If that if the goal if whatever objective is permissible so if you're trying to if you're trying to forward or or, or move forward an objective within Islam and that objective is permissible then it's okay to lie for example I'll, I'll give you kind of a, an out there example but um, female general mutilation or circumcision the the, Shari, the Sharia law manual uh reliance to the traveler says female general circumcision is permissible not mandatory permissible So if a Muslim must lie about it to protect that permissibility, then that lying is permissible, which is why we have Muslims lying about female general mutilation or circumcision and saying it's not a part of Islam. They can absolutely lie and say it's not a part of Islam because it is a permissible goal. Now, watch this. If the goal that you're accomplishing is obligatory then the lying is obligatory. So now if your goal is obligatory, the lying is mandatory. You have to lie. When it goes on to say, when, for example, one is concealing a Muslim from an oppressor who asks where he is, it is obligatory to lie about his being hidden. Or when a person deposits an article with one for safekeeping and an oppressor wanting to appropriate it, inquires about it it is obligatory to lie about having concealed it so let's say you have a jihadi that hides some weapons or explosives in your home for the purpose of carrying out an attack for Allah and the FBI shows up at your house and says do you have anything here do you know this person it is per it is not only permissible it is obligatory to lie to the FBI which is why The Council on American-Islamic Relations Care put out a whole booklet about how the Muslim community should not cooperate with the FBI, and yet we have our FBI allowing members of the Muslim Brotherhood to still do training for our law enforcement, like in the Detroit office of the FBI. So it's permissible. No, it's mandatory, because if that person shows up at your house, the FBI agent, and says, hey, do you have any, anything? Uh, do you know uh, so-and-so? No, I don't know so-and-so. Or do you know where they are? No, I don't know where they are. I'm not going to help you. Um, have, have you. Have they given you anything? No, they haven't given me anything. All of that is not only permissible, it's mandatory within Islamic law. That's all part of the lower house. Now, again, I spent a lot of time on that, but I want you to understand why they are operating the way they are in America and why this is part of the ongoing Islamization, because this is clearly a part of the lower house concept. Lying is permissible in the lower house. Now, when we come back on our next show, I'll go into more details about the lower house and then we'll get into the upper house. How do these things that we just talked about change? When the Islamic community, like in Europe, like in many European countries, has declared it to be the house of Islam now. Because you'll see all of it changes. All of it changes. And why on earth would we ever think that the God of Islam is the true God? Why on earth would we ever think that Allah is the God of the Bible When Allah is the best of the liars. When the Bible says that the father of lies is Satan. And if you if you are a liar and a deceiver, especially in denying Christ or Christianity, you are an anti-Christ spirit, which is what Islam is. Folks, we need to wake up and understand what we're dealing with. Again, be wise, shrewd as a serpent, and gentle or innocent as a dove. That's how Jesus sent us out into the world, as sheep among wolves. May we wake up, equip ourselves, pray, and prepare. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you on the program next time. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.